Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz, along with Nick Nurbin from Pure Michigan. What started out as a small-town Christmas decorations company turned out to be one of the world's biggest Christmas stores. It's Bronner's Christmas Wonderland in Frankenmuth, and it's a Michigan treasure. Trees, nostalgic cards, nutcrackers, and more are on display in Muskegon during the Festival of Trees at the Muskegon Museum of Art. The UP200 and Midnight Run Sled Dog Races will brighten up the spirits of all in Marquette this February with mushers from all over the U.S. and Canada. And if you're still looking for that perfect Christmas tree, fear not, we'll give you all the tips you need. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz with Nick Nurbin from Pure Michigan. We're back again this week, ready to serve up to you a tremendous meal of travel opportunities all throughout Michigan. I was trying to bring in, you know, like holiday meal ideas, even though we're going to talk about more than holiday uh, travel ideas today. But a lot of the things we're going to talk about have to do with holiday season things. Uh, Most of our our guests, we're going to talk about holiday things today, but we're going to talk about some other things. So I hope you can stick around for the entire show today because it's going to be well worth it. And Nick, where are we going to head to first? Dave, we're going to talk with Amy Start, the executive director of the Michigan Christmas Tree Association. And Amy, I know Christmas trees are a big annual agricultural crop here in Michigan and rank among the top states in the country for that. Yes, we actually rank third in the U.S. in Christmas tree production. And, you know, it's about a $45 million um, industry for Michigan. So it's a wonderful way to support Michigan farming. You know, as I drive around the state, Amy, I would think it would even be bigger because it seems like I see Christmas tree farms just about everywhere I go. They seem to be everywhere. Oh, and they are throughout the state, you know, primarily up in, you know, more in upper Michigan and off to the west side. You know, Christmas trees love to grow in sandy soil, so that area is perfect for growing Christmas trees. Well, and and right now, uh, just about this weekend or next weekend is the time that my wife and I always kind of head out there and we're we're looking for the, the perfect Christmas tree. I know at your website, mcta.org, I believe you still provide some information on where to go to find Christmas tree farms, don't you? Yes, we do. And, you know, there's... Um you can go on our site and there's locators to find if you're looking for a retail lot or if you're looking for a Christmas tree farm. And when you um, pull up the site, you can see on there two little Christmas tree icons. And it will show you, like, uh, if you click on those icons, you know, in the area you're looking for, um, it'll tell you all the different amenities a farm uh, offers, you know, whether they have, you know, sleigh rides, uh, maybe Santa visits, uh food, that kind of thing. So it'll show all the things they offer and also the tree species that they sell as well. You know, so if you're looking for a certain type, maybe a Fraser fir or a Douglas fort, 
offer or something, it will show you what you're looking for. And then you can also, if you don't see it at that farm, you can check another tree icon to see if what you're looking for is available at that farm. Well, and Amy, you bring up a great point, is many of these tree farms have created more of an experience. It's not just picking out the tree. They have sleigh rides, and Santa can show up to some of these. And it's become really a family experience, hasn't it? It is. You know, agritainment um, in farming is really popular, and you see it through, like, the fall season, you know, at cider mills and stuff like that. Um, It's the same thing for Christmas tree farms. A lot of farms are really, you know, expanding what they offer to their customers because they want families to come and make a day experience out of it. And it's such a special time, especially when you think about, you know, how right now everything's, you know, surrounded around your your phone or your uh, TV and that kind of stuff. And so this is like an outdoor experience that can be a really great family adventure. So, you know, we always say dress the part, you know, you don't want to come mm-hmm. and be cold because that ruins it. But mm-hmm. um, wear some boots because you're going to go out into a field if you're going to do a U-cut experience, you know, and, and things grow out there. And so it's kind of muddy sometimes. And, you know, prepare for the day. But, boy, you can really have a great time with your family. Well, one of the things I like about a lot of the Christmas tree farms today is a lot of them kind of will will kind of net them up for you. Not all of them, but they'll they'll make it so much easier to bring home. Uh, when I when I first started doing this, you know, I'd have that big old tree up there and you know on top of the car, and it was just uh, uh, more cumbersome. So they make it easier, and then when you get it home, it seems like I'm always forgetting exactly what to do. So so kind of. Bring us through the kind of the tips on when to bring it into the house, what to do with that fresh cut, all those things. Well, you know, the first thing you want to do is kind of measure your space before you go out because there's nothing worse than getting the tree and then you bring it home and it's like a Clark Griswold moment and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this tree is a giant. I've done Taking up my whole living room. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And then you end up cutting off. Um, some of it, and you know, most farms kind of charge per foot or by size of the tree. So if you're coming home and you're cutting two feet off, you know, that you're losing money. So, you know, assess your space before you go. Figure out how, how big it is. And I'm going to tell you, when you're in the field, the trees look small, hmm. but you get them home and it's like, wow. So measure your, your area and then make sure you pick a fresh tree. So if you're getting one that you're cutting down yourself in the field, absolutely fresh. Uh, If you're getting one that's pre-cut, you know, just check the needles, kind of rub your hands through. And, you know, if you're not getting any needles off, it's a fresh tree. And most farms aren't going to sell you one that isn't. But just check it. Um, Then ask the farm to make a fresh cut on the bottom before you take it home. That will allow for the water to absorb uh, through the tree and, you know, stay hydrated. But like you said, you know, most of the farms will also bale it for you and, help you tie your, some will help you tie it onto your car and that kind of thing. So, you know, getting it home and stuff, that part can be, you know, pretty easy. The farms are really good about that. And you know, the the, the older I get, I, I have to admit it, I, I need that help these days. Oh, I, I appreciate that help. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Amy Start, the Executive Director of Michigan Christmas Tree Association. Thanks for being with us today. The website to find out more and to get a whole bunch of other tips and to look at that directory as well is mcta.org. And you're going to be all prepared for the season. Recommend you do that today. I tell you what else I recommend, and that is a trip to Bronner's Christmas Wonderland in Frankenmuth. 
We'll tell you why next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz, along with Nick Nurbin, and we are headed to uh, one of the uh, one of the, the most popular towns in Michigan to travel at any time of the year. A lot of people call this Fun Town USA, and of course, at this time of the year, there's a big reason why people go to Frankenmuth. A very big reason, Dave. Over in Frankenmuth, as you mentioned, is a great place to visit throughout the year. But this time, as we're getting in the spirit of the season. We're going to go talk with Carla Bronner Sletzer, who is vice president at Bronner's Christmas Wonderland. And Carla, this is the world's largest Christmas store. People can find all kinds of things from Christmas lights to ornaments and everything else related to celebrating the season. But what would you say is the most popular item? What do people come there looking for the most? There's a whole variety of things they come to <laughs> to choose from, but one of the very popular items are the personalized ornaments where they can have their name or a pet name or a special trip or something put on that, and those those are very popular with our customers. And as you can imagine, that department gets very busy this time of year. Certainly does. Um, of course, you're super busy this time of year, but then Bronner's Christmas Wonderland is always busy. It's, it's the biggest, I will dare say, the best Christmas store in the world as well. Tell us about Bronner's. Give us a little background, too, and then as you do that, uh, give us some detail on the store itself. Well, the store... I can go way back to when my father started the business, if you want to go back yeah. that far. Yep. But it it started out not as a Christmas store, but my dad was artistic, and he had a small sign painting business that he started in the basement of his parents' home. And so he would do different uh, paint signs and do window displays and that type of thing. And one time when he was in a store in Bay City, Michigan, in Jenison Hardware, he was doing a display window with a Christmas display in there. And some people from the city of Clare, Michigan, came into the store and they said, oh, we want to buy some of those decorations like you have in the window. And they said, well, we don't sell Christmas decorations. Go talk to the guy trimming the window. And so they talked to my dad and they wanted some decorations for their city streets. And at that time, the commercial type decorations weren't available that you see hanging on the lamppost now. But he and some of his helpers painted Christmas scenes on wood panels that they hung from their street posts. And that was the start of the Christmas uh business at that time and then other cities saw it and they said well we want to order some of those too and so it kind of evolved from there and they would bring their wives along to the meetings and uh, to decide the decorations and the wives said well don't you have any decorations for the home and dad didn't at the time but that's how it got into the home decor so it, it has evolved through the years and um, my dad never in his wildest dreams would have imagined that it would grow to one day become the world's largest Christmas store. Well, it's, it certainly is a, it's a, it's a 
I, just a treasure for Michigan in so many ways, as as was Wally. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before uh, publicly outside of the you know the tourism industry, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We give a, an award out every year at the uh, travel industry um, conference, and we call it the Legacy Award. Wally Bronner was the very first winner of. Ooh the Legacy Award because of his mm-hmm. contributions to the travel industry and really the entire yep. family. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> he Wall- lived and breathed it. He did. Wally used to tell me I mispronounced my name because it's a German name. And he'd say, you know, <laughs> David, you mispronounce your name. It's Lawrence, not Lorenz. He was just a, such a friendly, good guy. And uh, we all well, miss him. Well, the name him. of our church is St. Lawrence. So that's yes, probably where he, yeah, he was getting he, that he from. He mentioned it to me many times. and I, I bet he did. Yes. And well, he's, he's, he was, you know, his... His legacy does live on through this store, and you feel the warmth every time you're there um, in, in everybody. I was just recently there with some travel writers, and this is an example of, you know, Nick was saying what the, what's the favorite thing, but mm-hmm. everything's there. Um, I, I had a travel writer who's an Elvis fan, and they said, do you think they have any Elvis ornaments? And I said, I, I'm sure they have something. And so we went up to one of the the people who worked there and said, do you have any Elvis ornaments? And she said, let me bring you to the Elvis area. (laughs) It's just like, oh my gosh, you have everything. It truly is an amazing place. Now, now explain to us, Carla, um, you know, kind of give us an idea of some of the, the types of things that you can buy at Bronner's. So as you come into Bronner's, you can lose yourself in the store. It's the size of one and a half football fields and you're just surrounded by the sights and sounds of Christmas, and there's Christmas carols playing in the background. We have over 50,000 items and many, many different ornaments and home trims and lights and Christmas trees and everything Christmas. Yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's such a great, great place. Uh, uh, you know, when you even get on the property, even before you go into the store, you you feel the presence of of the holidays and of Christmas, and there's a really special place called the Bronner's Silent Night Memorial Chapel that I know was really important to Wally. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. The chapel is a replica of the original Silent Night Chapel, which is located in Oberndorf, Austria. And that chapel was built in 1818 as a tribute to the famous Christmas carol and hymn, Silent Night, because that hymn was first sung in 1818. The organ at the church was not working, and so they wanted to know how they could carry on the music that day, and a member of their congregation Uh, penned the words and another person penned the music and it was played to guitar in that chapel and so they built the chapel there to commemorate the silent night hymn and then dad had always wanted to do a tribute of thankfulness here at bronner's and he had preserved that land at the uh, very south tip of frankenmuth which is where bronner's is located and he asked the people in Oberndorf if it would be possible to replicate that chapel here. 
and our chapel was built in 1992 as a tribute of thankfulness to God. Uh, you mentioned the location there at the end of Frankenmuth. And Dave, did you know the address is 25 Christmas Lane? <laughs> I didn't know that. So yeah, even <laughs> it in, has to be. <laughs> even the address is, is, is lined with Christmas. And I just wanted to, to ask you, Carla, because I imagine with the personalized ornaments and all the things that you do there at Bronner's, that there has to be kind of a, a staff of elves who help you get those ready every season, correct? Oh, absolutely. Hundreds of them. <laughs> so we have a fantastic team uh, on in the store and behind the scenes, too, because, of course, we have our uh, catalog and our Bronners.com, where you can shop online. And so there's many, many, many elves behind the scenes, too, fulfilling all those orders and personalizing all those ornaments and stockings and getting everything ready. Well, it's uh, it's just such a, a cool place to visit. And one thing I always recommend to people when you visit Bronner's, you should really bring your sneakers because uh, I actually thought I had been through the entire store up until my last visit, Carla. And for whatever reason, I was looking for some friends and I, I hadn't been through an entire wing. And so, so I went, I hadn't been through that. And entire, you're a runner, so I know, you can handle this. I, it was, it was crazy to me because I thought I'd been through the entire thing. And then I had gone back to see the Hummel exhibit and before you know what, I noticed an entire back, kind of like back wing or something. And then I went way back there and way over to another side. It just kept on going. <laughs> 1.7 football fields big of a retail store is a really big retail store. And I used to work for Meyer. So let me tell you, it's a really spectacular place that you will just simply love and uh, everybody there that you interact with will enjoy uh, your presence and you will enjoy theirs as well. So check it out. It's Bronner's Christmas Wonderland. For more information, go to the website first, bronners.com. Our thanks to Carla Bronner Spletzer for being with us today. We'll be right back here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan, along with Nick Nurbin, who is also from Pure Michigan. And here we are talking about some really cool things to see and do at this time of year. Uh, and I'll have to tell you, I am so proud of the place we're going to go to next. I spent my summers, uh, a lot of my summers, going to classes at this place. And I don't know if you know this, Nick, I was going to be a professional artist because Ooh. of the time I spent at the Muskegon Museum of Art, learning uh, how to paint and do some other things. Um, I just wasn't very good at it, so I decided not to do it. <laughs> but but you never know. I might end up doing that uh, sometime in the future. Tell us who we're going to talk to next. Well, you know, Dave, we often talk about travel as a way to educate and inspire. And this next place that we're going to head to is in Muskegon, the Muskegon Museum of Art, and there are many different opportunities to explore the arts and learn about and experience art. We're going to talk with Christina Broughton from the Muskegon Museum of Art. And Christina, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about the museum itself and the types of exhibits that you offer there? Yeah, so um, the Muskegon Museum of Art 
um, is an absolute gem here in downtown Muskegon. And um, we like to say that it's kind of a hidden gem of Muskegon, but we no longer want to be hidden <laughs> anymore. And um, But anyway, so we have a very renowned collection of artwork. We have Edward Hopper. We have John Stuart Curry. Um, we have a lot of really, we have Rembrandt um, here at the museum. And a lot of people don't necessarily realize that those paintings and pieces of artwork call Muskegon home. And um, so anyways, we have been a museum since 1912. We just had our 111th anniversary. Um, so we are an old building, um, very historic with a historic art collection. And we are even expanding. So in early 2025, we're more than doubling the size of the museum and adding on another impressive um, addition to our collection as well of women artists. Well, and it's so. because of um, the Muskegon Museum of Art and because of Charles Hackley that um, really gave so much money uh, for this uh, this wonderful museum and its collection that art lovers from all over the world are starting to see this, um, I guess I'll call it an art trail that you can, you can make uh, from all the way from Detroit at the Detroit Institute of Arts. You can go to the Ann Arbor Art Museum. You can go to the Broad Museum in East Lansing. You can go to the, a couple of the museums in Grand Rapids and then all the way to the Muskegon Museum of Art and, I mean, see these great collections. I mean, truly, truly, that is a really great art tour you could take. So, Christina, I mean, great job that all of you are doing there. Um, really fantastic job. And, of course, at this time of year, coming up very soon, you have a, a really big event coming up. Festival of Trees. Um, we have been um, doing the Festival of Trees since 2005. Um, prior to that, it was at the Froenthal, which is another um, kind of historic icon of Muskegon. Um, but the Art Museum took it over in 2005, and it's um, it really is a fundraiser for the museum, but it's a great indoor holiday extravaganza inside the museum. So it's bringing in our artwork with the holidays. We have live music. We have events um, for um, kids and adults of all ages. So um, and the, for the past three years, we've done Festival of Wreaths um, because of COVID. We kind of took it outside and did a tour around downtown Muskegon. But this year, we're bringing it back inside the museum, but with a little bit of a twist. Um, a new twist, um, we're going to be featuring vintage holiday collections um, from collectors who live right here in Muskegon. Um, so giant blow molds, which are those big yard decor, um, like old school yard decor, things that light up. Um, we have a classic card collection. We have dreidels, nutcrackers, angels, aluminum trees. So um, we're we're doing festival trees again with a vintage twist this year, and we, we are so excited to bring it back into the museum. So what's the idea behind a festival of trees? I know a lot of communities have them. In this case, it's a fundraiser, which is certainly understandable for a, a museum of art. Um, but is the idea that you want to display, you know, the artwork that is um, that is obvious from the displays on the Christmas tree, or um, are you trying to show nostalgia here and there? What are what are you trying to display here? Yeah, a little bit of everything. So. Um, 
So with the vintage collections, we wanted to have, you know, a unique twist to come in this year. But really, the Festival Trees is more of a community-based thing. We um, want to show the collections that exist here in our community and showcase them um, because sometimes they're they're put up in houses um, or in small businesses. And, and when they're shown here at the Art Museum, that they're on a more public scale. And so it's sharing these collections with the community, um, as well as, you know, being within a holiday, I guess, kind of vibe at the Art Museum is a unique thing to experience as well. Well, and you mentioned the Froenthal, which is, I think, pretty close to the, the Museum of Art. And I think that's a great opportunity, especially during the holidays when there are holiday programs and other things happening downtown, that to, for folks to come down and kind of make an evening of it and enjoy everything that's happening in downtown Muskegon during the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have the singing Christmas tree. It's, you know, world-renowned singing Christmas tree at the Froenthal, and that's only two blocks away from us. So, um, really, you could experience everything all in one night. I love the fact that the uh, Festival of Trees is at the Museum of Art. As you mentioned, it has been at the Froenthal uh, for many years, which is also, it's a beautiful backdrop and such. But in this case, you're exposing the arts to people that, that maybe, you know, don't consider themselves art lovers. But when you go to the venue and you see these beautiful works of art, some of them, I mean, real classics, as you mentioned, some of those artists are, are world-renowned. Um, and all those pieces are important pieces that are on display. You're showing them to people uh, that maybe have never been to an art museum before, and now they're, they're coming to see these trees. I just love the fact that, um, that people are seeing art in a different way. Absolutely. That's, that's our goal, and that's why we have um, rotating exhibitions every year, because um, we try to pique the interest of different people who have interests in different things. And so alongside Festival of Trees this year, we have a snow globes exhibition, but they're not snow globes that you would expect. They're like Tim Burton-style snow globes. Oh. So it's bringing in a different demographic of people who might kind of have that nightmare before Christmas um, interest into the museum as well so but we have 15 rotating 15 to 20 rotating exhibitions a year and each one is different in its own right now do you have um like live music at times as part of the uh, festival of trees yeah, so we have a live music schedule that um, can be found on our website, um, and these are local artists from Muskegon. Some of them are children's choirs, um, children's musicians, and orchestras, all the way up to seasoned professionals um, playing guitars, ukuleles, piano, choirs. Um, so we have a good mix of live music that's going to be happening throughout the festival. Fantastic. And I see you have some, some other events. It looks like there's there's a teddy bear trail, a ceramic tree painting workshop, and I see something about hot cocoa. Yeah, yeah. So I'll start with the teddy bear trail. So the teddy bear trail is... Um, this really fun family-friendly event where you can bring your favorite teddy bear or stuffed animal um, and take it on an adventure around downtown Muskegon. You start at the art museum where um, you're going to meet Santa with candy canes and hot cocoa. Um, and then you can work around to other businesses and organizations downtown where each place will have a different activity. So the Muskegon Community College, their nursing students are going to be there doing teddy bear checkups, um, the chalets over by the farmer's market are going to have donuts. There's, um, 
kind of STEAM activities happening at the Lakeshore Museum Center. So it's kind of a partnership between different organizations um, for this adventure around downtown. And it's only $5 a person, um, which is very affordable for um, a few hours worth of teddy bear holiday fun. That sounds like fun. Well, the fact is you, you have all these kind of special things all added up. It's all part of the Festival of Trees. And as Nick mentioned, there are so many other really uh, neat um, activities and venues to visit downtown Muskegon, and including the uh, the singing Christmas tree at the Fraunthal. But if you haven't been to downtown Muskegon for a while, I highly recommend you check it out. It is truly spectacular. The Historical Museum downtown, not only will you see outside, there is a, a sculpture of a, is it a mammoth? I think it's a mammoth that is, uh, it's really beautiful. It's right outside, but make sure you go inside the uh, County Museum. It's it's well worth the visit. Make sure to also check out all the other downtown uh, amenities. And of course, you're right there on the water. Downtown Muskegon has turned out to be such a great place. I grew up there and it's so exciting for me to see Muskegon, like so many other of our cities, come back to life to be such a great city that I knew it could be. It has become a tremendous place. So check out the Festival of Trees through December 31st at the Muskegon Museum of Art. You'll enjoy it. The website is muskegonartmuseum.org. It is worth the visit. We're going to be heading up to Marquette next for the UP200 right here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz with Nick Nurbin from Pure Michigan, and we're going to head back up to the UP for our final guest of today's program. This is one of my favorite events of the winter. I uh, try to head up there every winter, and man, oh man, this is a celebration, Nick. I have never seen a community come together in wintertime like they do for this event. And there's something special about community events. I love it when communities buy into their event and when they all get together. Uh, but of course, normally these things are in the warm weather months, right? When, you know, people come to a parade and they all line the streets and you see people two and three deep. That's what they do for this event in the middle of the winter. Mm-hmm. It's a really spectacular thing. Yeah, we're going to talk with Darlene Walsh, president of the UP200, which takes place in February in Marquette, all the way across the UP to Grand Marais. And Darlene, I think what Dave's getting at is the midnight run in which the streets of downtown Marquette are lined with people and, of course, with snow. And there are competitors with sled dog teams that are coming through the middle of downtown Marquette. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. The start for the UP200 and the Midnight Run take place on Friday night of the middle of February. They start on Washington Street, which is the main street of downtown Marquette. The UP200 organization sets up the track on Friday morning and puts a snow trail all the way down through the main street of town, out along Lakeshore, and heading east. So at 7 o'clock sharp, the teams are ready to go, and the first UP200 team takes off from downtown Marquette. 
they launch every two minutes. So for about a half hour, 40 minutes, depending on the number of teams, every two minutes, a 12-dog sled dog team takes off downtown Marquette and runs through town. We have a break of about 45 minutes to an hour, and then at 8.30, the midnight run teams take off in the same location, running through downtown Marquette. It is absolutely spectacular. The streets are lined with people. All of the shops are open. The lights are still on from Christmas. It is very much a downtown community event, and there's no tickets that need to be bought. It's open to anyone who wants to come and share in the excitement. It is exciting. It is an event, and it is spectacular, Darlene. And I think it's pretty ironic, though, because I'm always talking about how the UP is the best at moving snow off the road. And (laughs) in here for your big sled dog race, you truck in snow like I've never seen before. You really do it fast, too. And you pile up that snow in the middle of Main Street, and then everybody starts crowding in. They're right along the sides. And those sled dog teams come in, and wow, those dogs can't wait to pull. They really love, they love to pull those sleds. That is true. These are northern breed dogs. They are bred especially for this kind of activity. The breed stemmed from being Arctic type of dogs. They absolutely love this sport. Mushers have come a long way in the last 30 to 40 years as far as really maintaining the breed lines. They know who their dogs are. They're very meticulous about what dogs they work with. They're extremely well cared for. The, the quality of the dogs as far as being athletes is really tremendous. If people think about human runners, the shorter races are kind of like the 100-yard dash, whereas these distance races are like the equivalent of marathons, and the dogs are trained that way. We are, as an organization, health care for the dogs and fitness for the dogs is a primary concern. So on Friday morning, before the races begin, every dog that runs in the UP200 and the midnight run gets a hands-on physical vet check. One of the mandatory pieces of equipment that a musher has to carry with them in this sled is their veterinary record book. This is given to them by the vet at the vet check, and every dog is identified. They have tags on the dog's collars that are provided by the vet, and the veterinarians check for the overall health and fitness of the dog. And then throughout the race, we have mandatory vet checks. So the dogs are monitored as they run through the race. And the veterinary team is really spectacular. They're specialists in this kind of activity. They've been with us for several years. The two lead veterinarians have been. And they are available to mushers at any time during the race. If a, if a team has any question at all about a particular dog, they can consult the vets at any time. So the dogs just love it. When you see them get ready to go, they are so excited. They're lined up, and they are just ready to tear down this track. Well, yeah, I had a musher tell me one time, these dogs love to run. And they certainly do. You can see their enthusiasm as they're cruising down the track and tearing out of town. And speaking of the course, as they exit downtown Marquette and head out along the lakeshore, this is a course that goes all the way to Grand Marais. For those who are not familiar, that's quite a distance. And so I'm assuming the name UP200 is really relevant to the distance of the race. Is that correct? That is correct. 
the trail for the UP 200 is approximately 225 miles out and back. So it, it's not a direct line like it would be for us driving to Grand Marie on highway because the trail loops through the woods, stays off snowmobile trails as much as we can have that happen, and is a wilderness trail. So the UP 200 teams go out first, and the midnight run teams follow the same trail, except when they get to Chatham in Elger County, the midnight run teams peel off and go to their checkpoint at the MSU Farm Extension in Chatham. Meanwhile, the UP 200 teams continue on. They have a checkpoint at Wetmore, just east of Munising, and then they continue on to Grand Ray, where they land there on Saturday. And they have a significant rest time in Grand Marais, usually in the afternoon. Grand Marais is an awesome checkpoint. This little tiny town up on Lake Superior puts on a wonderful winter festival in conjunction with the dog sled teams. So the 200 teams rest in Grand Marais, and then they turn around and they run back to Marquette. So each distance on that uh, trail is a little over 100 miles out and back. People are always asking me for the best places to see the the teams go by, and <clears throat> I usually recommend the the state welcome center, which is along the the main route because I've I've heard that's a nice place. I've never seen them there, but also is Lakin and Land, you know that that place where those really cool iron sculptures. I've heard that's also a good place. Uh, I, I don't know if that's accurate, but any other places you recommend people stop to to watch the sleds go by. Sure. There are several places they can do this. Both of them that you have suggested are spot on. The Welcome Center is on US 4128, about five miles, not even quite five miles, more like about three miles from the start line. And the Welcome Center is awesome. There are several people that meet there. Of course, it has restrooms and everything else, plus good parking. So, it sort of depends on what a spectator wants to see. Of course, the downtown start is absolutely spectacular. But somewhere out along the trail can be very interesting because by then the dog teams have gotten into more of a rhythm. And downtown can be rather noisy. The dogs are barking. They're all ready to go. Once they're running on the trail, they quiet down. Sometimes you can literally, if you're in the woods watching them go by on the trail, you can literally hear their feet on the snow and the swish of the sled runners. So it's a very different experience if you get away from the downtown. Lake and Inland is another really good location for spectators. There is off-highway parking. It's on M28 as you're heading east. It is a sculpture park, and the people who run that are absolutely wonderful about having people come in. The trail runs right through the park, so it is a very good location. We are going to be rolling out a new website. That website is up200.org. You can find out all about it. The race is actually the 16th through the 18th of February, but the entire event happens February 15th through 19th. You'll enjoy it. Make sure to check it out. That's all the time we have for Travel Michigan for this week. We'll talk to you next week on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling.